You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been, and will always be, about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Today's show is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Well, football's wrapped up. The Super Bowl's over. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions once again. As a Chiefs fan, can't say I'm too sad about that. Sorry, suckers. But... That also means you got all sorts of new sports heading out your way for you to bet on. And for those of you that have been tied up with football and totally understand that, if you want to get caught up on the NBA, there is no better show for you than Buckets. We host a five days a week daily NBA betting podcast, breaks down best bets every single day, Monday through Friday. And we give you futures look twice a week on Mondays and Fridays. It's a great show. And we're going to give you a little preview of that today as I'm joined by Sean Little, from MSG Networks, you can catch them on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Chicago Flow. And we're going to give you kind of the bird's eye view. If you've been like lost in the NFL and college football these last few months and are like, what the hell's going on with the NBA? The Wolves are good? The Thunder are good? Yeah, the Clippers might actually be playing basketball? Yes, we have all those types of answers for you. We're going to go over the championship looks and we're going to give you a best bet for both under 20 to 1 and over 21 to win the NBA title at BetMGM. And then we're going to hit on the MVP market because with Joel Embiid ineligible to win the award, this market is pretty wide open. We've got some interesting angles there as well. Sean, glad to have you with us. Let's get started right here, man. So we'll get to our best bets, but I do want to go ahead and talk about some of the teams that I know that we're not taking. We've got to start with the Boston Celtics. So the Boston Celtics, there is no doubt, no question, Zero doubt that the Boston Celtics are the best regular season and current team in the league. If you were just to ask me who's the best team in the NBA right now, I would say the Boston Celtics. Okay. They are 43 and 12, 43 and 12. And that number is better when you went in the games, when Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Apps, Porzingis, Derek White, and Al Horford have played like without question, this is the best team in the league. And yet with them, Sitting at BetMGM at the favorite at plus 260, including a uh, very slight plus 110 
to win the Eastern Conference. This is not the time, in my opinion, to bet the Celtics. I think you're betting, you're buying them high right now if you're buying in on the Celtics. And while I do think this team is great, Sean, they're still going to have to show me more before I think that they're a buy at this type of number. Their fourth best player, some would argue maybe their third best player in Derek White, leads the league in plus minus. That's how deep the Boston Celtics are. They have talent all over the place. And it seems like the only games they lose on a night-to-night basis are the ones they just don't feel like playing in. Or Chris Stapps, or they're missing multiple guys that are sitting. When they are fully loaded, as you laid out, Matt, they are almost impossible to beat in the regular season where it's a one-game spot and you go to the next city and you have to gear up and play someone else. In the seven-game series, when you have time from coaches to game plan and and throw different looks at you, it's a different story. We've seen that year in, year out. But, yes, absolutely. This year, the Boston Celtics so far are loaded and the best team in the NBA without question on a night-to-night regular season basis. The difference here, if you're betting in on the Celtics, you're looking at the Kristaps Porzingis edition. And that really does change the dynamics. Like when he plays, they're even better and he gives them a different dimension. And like, that's the thing to kind of bet on. Are you getting a better value now than you're going to be, you know, taking them series by series? Probably not if we're able to correctly kind of cap these series in terms of what there are these markets in the NBA playoffs where you can take win spread in a playoff series. So if the Celtics run into the Hawks, like I'm going to be on minus three and a half on the Celtics for them to essentially sweep that team. I think that they're going to sweep that team in easy fashion. If we can do that correctly, we should still get to a spot where we can find good value. And the other thing is, you know, I'll just say this, like, look, as good as they are, I still continue to believe that Joe Mazzula, as good as he is as a regular season coach, as good as his formula is, I am not sold that Joe Mazzula has all the answers you need in a playoff series. I was worried about him in that Sixer series. And obviously they lost versus a play-in team in the heat. Now, a lot of stuff had to go wrong for that to happen. And maybe that stuff just doesn't go wrong and they make the finals. That's absolutely true. The other problem I think I do have, though, is there's a lot of Western Conference teams that I think I would probably lean towards versus the Celtics. And yeah, that provides me a hedging opportunity. I want to see what the field looks like. And so while I think the Celtics are really great, I don't think this is the time to buy them. Give me a team under 20 to 1 that you think has value to win the NBA title, Sean. Yeah, I'm going to go to Los Angeles and I'm going to take the Los Angeles Clippers at right around five and a quarter to win the championship. I hate to say this, <laughs> but I feel like I've seen what I've needed to see from the Clippers with the addition of James Harden. Since December 26th, Matt, they have five losses. They have been absolutely nails recently after they lost seven straight after adding James Harden. Kawhi Leonard's last 30 games, 26 points, six rebounds, two steals on 56-50 and 92 splits. The half-court offense is run really well with James Harden. That extra element of the ball not being in either Paul George's hands or Kawhi Leonard's hands and letting a lot of the decisions be made by James Harden is a really big plus-up for me in the half-court offense for the Clippers, and it's shown on the court. They have been producing very well on the offensive end, and they're extremely deep with Norman Powell, Russell Westbrook, Terrence Mann, the whole lot of guys they have over there. I have a lot of confidence in. And when we're talking about – there's one outlier in everything when we talk about the championship and the West. The outlier is Jokic. Now, there is no guy suiting up in shorts and a tank top 
that can stop <laughs> Nikola Jokic. All right? We've seen it. We we know all about it. Funny thing is what you just laid out about the Celtics that with the series spread, we lay three and a half against the Hawks. I said that last year, and the Hawks won two games. But if there's one thing I'm confident about, it's that no body that is putting on shorts in the top can slow up Jokic. Now, is there one guy that doesn't play that can slow up Jokic? Maybe, and that's Ty Lue. Maybe he could scheme up enough with the deep squad he has in the Clippers to potentially slow down Jokic, who is, hasn't been scoring at the clip that he has previously in the last few years. And maybe so much falls on Jamal Murray's plate, who takes a leap from the regular season to the playoffs. But he ends up having so much pressure on him and the rest of the Royal guys have so much pressure on them potentially to score that they have a hard time over a seven-game series. So I'm confident nobody that gets dressed can slow up Jokic, but maybe Ty Lue can somehow subdue the big joker, and then that's how they could win the West. So I like the Clippers at around that five and a quarter number. You can get plus 525 at BetMGM. I love what the Clippers have done, and I believe they're real. I've seen what I've needed to see for them to win the West. You can get that around plus 250, and then for them to win the title at plus five and a quarter. So I have a I have a pretty healthy position on the Clippers. I've been betting them in finals matchups versus the Sixers. I've gotten versus the Bucks. I've gotten versus the Celtics. I think it's there's good value. I think on the Clippers. My bet though is I will go head to head with you, and I, I will take the defending champion Denver Nuggets and the guy that no one in a tank top and shorts can stop in Nikola Jokic at plus four fifty. So look, the Nuggets have the most championship equity and. We're going to have a lot of wins on our preseason win total stuff and our futures that we put in. Cavaliers came back from the dead. That's been awesome. We've got a lot of wins. One of the things that I've nailed pretty correctly is, hey, Denver's not going to be quite as good as last year. They're going to be good. They're just going to be quite as good as last year. But the problem is if you really watch this team and you follow them night by night, when their starting five is healthy, it's curtains. They are not touchable in the Western Conference. You talk about Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue's done an amazing job of integrating James Harden and what they bring to the table from a coaching perspective is valuable. The problem is I actually have more worries about Ty because Ty's answer to all of these problems that he faces is always like, well, we got to go smaller. We'll just go smaller. What if we don't have any bigs on the floor? What if we just have Kawhi Leonard at center? And I'm like, what are you doing? You're getting killed on the glass. Give them a big to run, pick and roll with. What are you doing? And that worries me in a series versus Denver. You don't want to go small. You do yeah. not want and, to go small versus the Nuggets. And if there is a weakness, I talked about how deep the Clippers are. It is big guys. They don't yeah. have many of those. Zubach, uh, Plumley, but yes. Look, Zoo, Plumley, Tice is better than most teams have. That's 18 fouls to throw it at Nicola. It's just like you're not going to be able to do anything to slow him down. He just he eats through Zoo in, in particular, has a hard time with him. Denver has the most championship equity. We know the gear that they can get to. And covering this team day by day, I will tell you, I don't watch them and go like, oh, man, they just don't have it. I watch them and go like, they are very careful with how they pick their spots. They got up for a game versus the Sixers on the East Coast, and the Sixers won that game fair and square and beat them. That's how good the Sixers were with Joel Embiid. But then two nights later, the Nuggets got up for a game versus the Celtics and threw the kitchen sink at them and beat Boston to end the home winning streak. Like when they bring it, that team is incredible. They faced the Lakers on Kobe's statue night with all that emotion and all that energy, and the Lakers were hanging, and look how, oh, they've tied it. Look, And then the Nuggets just slammed the door on their hands. That's what they are capable of. So I have to stick with the defending champs here at plus 450. That's actually a pretty good price here. This is kind of a buy low point. Now, 
I actually think you can wait because I think the market is still kind of like, they might get the one seed and I don't think they are. I think there's still room for this number to get better. We might get five. We might get 550. We might get six, especially if like the Clippers surge to the one seed, they're going to wind up getting that. The market will still be conservative about the Wolves and the Thunder, but the Nuggets inherently, if they don't have the one seed, if they are eliminated from the possibility of getting the one seed, which I do not think they will win, we will get a better number on this number later. So that's my pick for the under 20. Let me ask you this. One quick question for you on the Nugs, Matt. So say they do finish four and five, and this playoff run back to the championship becomes a little tougher than it was last year. So we know Minnesota was their biggest comp last year and their their biggest obstacle in the playoffs. They said that that was you know their hardest competition in last year's run because it got a little softer. The Suns with Aiden, the Lakers, who if they end up winning that game one in that series in the West Conference Finals – Flipped the script quite a bit. They couldn't get it done. But the Lakers were never going to be a big threat to actually win the title last year, in my opinion. And then, of course, we know the story about playing Miami. They were never, ever, ever going to sniff beating the Nuggets in that matchup. In hindsight, when you look at it, it ends up being quite, I guess, an easy playoff run. Or did the Nuggets just make it look a lot easier? But, I mean, we'll say this. If they do bump into the Suns again... That's a probably a better Suns team, right? And that's right around that 4-5. These second and Western Conference rounds, finals rounds, can be a lot tougher. And then they get to the East, and then they got to potentially play one of the big boys in the East, maybe even Boston. The, the route to another title to go back-to-back could be a lot tougher than it was for Denver last year because once they got to the finals, it was pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, I agree. Look, they're not going 16-4 and four again. That's not happening. And honestly, I think probably, you know, when the playoffs come around, you're going to hear us on buckets talking about like, hey, you know, I'm going to take this team to win more games than the market expects. Like I'm going to probably be on the other side in a lot of these series because my market evaluation power rating on Denver is significantly lower than what the market's been. Like the bookmakers pretty clearly value Denver more highly than I do in terms of their performance level. The problem with that is like Denver's playoff performance level is so much higher than the regular season. How much can you really do that? But I do think they're going to have tough matchups. I do think they're going to lose games. I do think they're going to have a series where we're like, Denver might be losing the series. But I also think that this team is really good. When its backs are against the wall, you want Joker on your side. He is great in those spots. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's do some long shots. So we gave you under 20 to 1. Give me a 20 to 1 or longer shot on the NBA title, Sean. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dallas Mavericks at 35 to 1 at Bet MGM. Now, I'm going to steal a Matt Moore saying here. In this new age NBA, the new floor for offense, everybody can play offense, but can you play D? And can you get a stop when necessary? They made some moves recently at the deadline, added Gafford, and the defense is going to be there now for them, it seems like, if they're healthy with Lively and a couple other guys on the wing for the Mavericks. Now, 
Last seven games, they're right around that top five mark in the NBA in defensive rating. Now, we know they have the superstar in Luka Doncic. We know Kyrie and those guys can fill it up. Offensively, I'm not necessarily worried about what they could do in the half court. And if they could start putting together defensive stretches of playing really high-level ball on that end, they could be dangerous. And this number of 35 to 1 is too long. They made the moves necessary. They got a lot better at the deadline, and I trust Luka to continue to fill it up. And if you're going to go against a team like the Dallas Mavericks and have to deal with them possession by possession over and over in the half court, and he is pulling the strings, they can get really dangerous, especially if they start to slow the game down like Luka wants to. Let's start playing low pace, very small possession games. That's what Luka wants to do on offense. If they can get some stops, they can be really dangerous in the team you don't want to see in the playoffs. So I think 35 to 1 is too long. I'll take the maps. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I thought the trade deadline additions for Dallas are the best in the league because PJ Washington just kind of completes their team. He's a lot of what they were looking for. And Daniel Gafford gives them so much insurance against Derek Lively. Their record when Derek Lively plays is phenomenal. They are incredible when they've got Luka and Lively. They got to keep those guys healthy. But if they're able to have both those guys, that helps. And Gafford honestly provides a little bit of insurance on that. So, I think Dallas is dangerous. I would say that what I instead, though, I want to see what the matchups look like, right? Because like they're a bracket team. And, and we'll say this about most teams that we want to wait and see what the bracket looks like. We're looking, I think, here for, for teams that are outside of those boundaries. And for Dallas, I'm like, look, if Dallas winds up in the play-in tournament and it's 2-7 Clippers, it's curtains. They have so many problems with that Clippers team. And look, the Clippers don't like seeing Luka. He's put up huge numbers on him, but he also can't beat them. And that to me is like an issue versus like, look, I do think they'll give Denver some problems because they are so patient. And Luca is such a, he just puts teams in the torture rack when he's coming off these pick and rolls and is able to string plays out. And they have enough three point shooting in particular to combat Denver. Like that's a team I would want to take a little bit against Denver, probably in a playoff series. But I also think if they face maybe like Minnesota, I think they're gonna have a much harder time, even with Luca's ability to go against Rudy Gobert in the drop, like they've got guys, they've got wing defenders to go at them. And so I think it's a very spot by spot. Mine's a little bit longer. There's a 50 to one in the market at BetMGM. The number is 40 to one. Give me the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh my God, Matt. Look, man, don't look. Do this, man. No, 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 no. Look, look, Matt. look. Tell me what is different <laughs> from right now to where we were last year in this exact same spot with a team that made the Western Conference Finals. Nothing. The only reason I shook my head is because I think we just talked about two teams in the West that are so tough that mm-hmm. they would have to get by those two and then win. Not, not, not both, but potentially one or two of those guys and then get by somebody in the East. So that's the only reason I thought you were going to go with someone in the Eastern Conference. But yeah, I mean, it is no different than where we are. We were last year. And I even mentioned it. If they win that game one of the Western Conference Finals, if you go back and look at the clip of LeBron James walking off the floor and going through the tunnel – he knew how massive of an opportunity that was that yeah. they let slip through their fingers when they lost game one against the Nuggets. He let out some expletives, and you could read them on his lips as he was walking off the floor. He knew how close that was to potentially changing that whole series. So, yes, we're not in a different situation than we were last year. And AD's playing a lot. He's around. Yeah. So the other thing here is, like, look, based off of my numbers, I've got them power rated as, like, the fourth best team in the Western Conference right now. I think they're better than the record. And a lot of it is when I dug in and I was like, I actually looked at what the record was when LeBron, AD, and Rui play in particular. 
it is better. Now, I think Lakers fans are a little, little, little bit Pollyanna a little bit with like how they're doing the, we've just been so hurt. We've just, we've had so many injuries. The way to kind of parse this, they have missed the six most games with players this season league wide. That's via spotrack.com. But if you look at salary, they're 22nd. So this is kind of the thing is they've missed guys who aren't getting paid. And that's significant. Like it's probably easier to get by without Jared Vanderbilt than it is Jimmy Butler. Like that's a pretty big gap differential. It's easier to get by when Gabe Vincent is out versus Ja Morant. Like other teams have much bigger injury issues, but on the flip side of that, when I started looking this weekend at how teams have performed when they've had their guys, the Lakers grayed out very well. I think this team is better than their record. And inherently from that perspective at 40 to one, there's got to be a little bit of value there. You're right that the Western Conference is tough. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I don't buy into the whole the stuff last year with, like, it was so close and the moral victories that the Lakers got versus the Nuggets and this, that, and the other. Like, no, the Nuggets swept them. They swept them. They closed that series out in their building and slammed the door on them. However, if I think the Nuggets are a little bit worse this year and the rest of the West is better, there is a greater chance of the Lakers not having to play the Denver Nuggets. And that has to factor into this decision. I like the Lakers and the Clippers matchup. They've won those games this year. And while I don't take regular season outcomes to be determinative of playoff matchups, there are matchups within those regular season games that indicate to me, the Lakers do have some advantages. The Clippers do not match up great with the Lakers. If I think the Clippers have the second most championship equity in the Western Conference and the Lakers are a good matchup versus them and the other heavyweights are untested, unproven squads that are going to quake when they see LeBron James step on that floor, (laughs) I got to think that there's a little bit of value here. I think there's a number of teams, honestly, that if you're looking for long shots, I think the Warriors are in that boat because they are primed for a pretty big run. We talked about that on buckets. I'm not there yet, but I think you should at least consider it. And the other one, Sean, is 30-1 to with the 76ers. Talking to people this weekend at All-Star Weekend, one of the things that that came up consistently when I asked around about behavior at the trade deadline was the Sixers did not act like a team that was reconfiguring for next year. They did not act like a team that was pivoting. They acted like a team that was like, look, Joel may not come back, but we're going to operate as if he is. And that, to me, is significant. It doesn't mean he's definitely coming back, but it means that it's on the table there. I do think there's probably a little bit of value here on the Philadelphia 76ers at 30-1, to 1, especially to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I can't argue that. I mean, it all depends on one thing and one thing only if Joel Embiid comes back and has time to get acclimated before the playoffs. Let's be serious here. Like, If Joel comes back in the middle of the first round, it's not going to be enough time for them to actually make a lot of noise for – an Eastern Conference playoff run. He would have to get back earlier and have some time. My gut in this situation, I didn't get any tips, any inside information from anybody, is that we won't be seeing Joel. That's my opinion on it. But if he does come back, that is a uh, a ticket that would be very valuable. Let's wrap up here by talking a little bit about MVP because the market is open because of Embiid's injury. Uh, he is ineligible. There's a 65-game rule in the NBA this season, and because of his injury absences, he is now ineligible to win it. So, as a result, Nikola Jokic is your favorite at minus 130. Shea Gillis-Alexander is plus 210. Luka Doncic plus 900. Giannis, 900. Jason Tatum, 25-1. to Kawhi Leonard, 66-1. to Jalen Brunson, 80 to one and Donovan Mitchell, 125 
to one. Sean, we've talked a lot about this. I think this is a hard market to kind of crack. I will say Nikola Jokic won the second straw poll convincingly over to ESPN.com. He got the vast majority of first place votes. However, the last two first place finishers in the second straw poll have not won the award in the second place finisher who would be Shea Gillis Alexander has won it. I have a pretty algorithmic algebraic approach to how to bet this thing, but I'm curious if you're going to bet on MVP right now, where do you think the value is? Yeah, you laid it out pretty well that this is a very tough market to even get a grasp on because of how many extracurriculars are included when it comes to voters and how they feel like they may need to go Jokic's way versus a younger SGA that doesn't have the cachet per se. But we're in a window for Jokic where we could get him the award every year. (laughs) So however you want to twist it, his impact on the floor is off the charts. The efficiency is off the charts. So we are in that LeBron James-esque window for Nikola Jokic where when you start breaking it down, he is the guy that you can give the MVP to. But for this price, I wouldn't go that way. I'd go Shea Gilgis-Alexander, SGA, at plus 210. I think he's everything you want in a point guard who's leading a very young team that is number one or number two in the West, depending on what day of the week it is. He's third in the NBA at 31 points per game, 6-6-2, essentially, two steals nightly. He passes the analytics test. He passes the eye test. He passes the Twitter he-knows-ball test. I mean, the team wins everything he passes the test with flying colors. If you want to get into the analytics, he's fourth in usage, second in estimated plus minus, which we know is big, number one in estimated win share, and his team is going to finish top two, top three in the West. Does it get really interesting if Jokic and those guys slip to like fifth? Maybe. Maybe it starts to get really interesting there, but if you remember, Jokic won MVP in 22 as a six seed, but if you look at those numbers, they are beyond off the charts. I mean, like unbelievable. They finished 16 games behind the one. But if you go look at those numbers, they might be some of the best numbers ever posted for a season in NBA history. So that's where it would get really interesting in that that SGA ticket at plus anything over two where you could double your money up if the Nuggets slow up in a part of the season that's coming up here that they did last year and kind of could potentially fall off. Now, last point here, if you go back and look at the Jokic versus Embiid thing, Embiid was really going for it last year to close the year. Jokic wasn't really. He just continued his steady Eddie ways, and he was still had a lot of people thinking, damn, I think I voted the wrong way when I voted for Embiid. I should have probably voted for Jokic and the three-pack in a row. So Jokic is in that part of his career where we can give him the MVP every year, but I think that price is a little too expensive as we record this year in late February. So this to me is the best way to cap this is you just need to look, you like sit down, look at the schedules, look at the teams and figure out who you think is going to win the Western Conference, number one seed. That's how to answer this. If you think it's going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves, you should bet Nikola Jokic at this number. If you think it's going to be the Los Angeles Clippers, you should bet Nikola Jokic at this number. If you think it's going to be the Denver Nuggets, obviously you should bet Nikola Jokic at this number. But if you think it's going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I do, you should bet Shea Gillis Alexander at this number. I really think it's that simple. I think if the Thunder get the one seed, Shea wins MVP. I think if anyone else wins the number one seed, Jokic wins MVP. Even if the Thunder are two and the Nuggets slide to fifth, which I don't think is going to happen, but if that were to happen, it's still not going to be enough. You've got to get the one. It's got to be the one seed. You have to have that narrative tick, I think, on the resume for Shea to get home. Now, I think he will. 
because the Thunder schedule is favorable and every metric will tell you that the Thunder are the best team in the Western Conference, even though the Wolves are great. I currently have them projected to finish tied with the, the Wolves and the Wolves will get tiebreaker, but I think the Wolves probably will slide a little bit somewhere along the way. You mentioned Jokic. I wouldn't say that he like kept steady Eddie. I would say that he tailed off and I will just want to mention this. Every time that he starts getting asked about MVP and winning it, you're going to notice that Nikola Jokic, oh, he had a weird night. That's weird. He only shot twice. Oh, that's weird. He took six threes and only made <laughs> one of them. Oh, that's weird. He had seven turnovers in this game. And I'm not saying that he's intentionally tanking because I don't think he is, but I will say that that man does not want to win MVP, does not want to do it. You don't he, think so? Like at is, all? No. Why? He doesn't want to win it? He's Yeah, because, because last year really showed him that all it does is bring a lot of negative attention that he never asked for. Like that stuff got to him last year. It bothered him. And I don't blame him for that. The conversation was toxic. All that dude did was go out and play basketball at the highest possible level and get his team in a position to win an NBA championship. And the conversations that erupted have a lot to do with a lot of things. And I think that there's like, we can parse out a lot of like interesting stuff about it. But I know, not for a fact, I know with a very high probability that it legitimately bothered Nikola Jokic and the conversation around him. And also, I just like, he doesn't view individual accomplishments the same way that he values team accomplishments. Now, did he care more when he won the first two? I think so. I think he cared more than he gave the impression of. I'm not saying that he doesn't take pride. I'm not saying that he's not prideful. He's a competitor. You know, there's that part of him. I don't think he's like... As selfless as he will portray himself sometimes, but I do think that he's mostly as selfless as he portrays himself as. And that to me, I think makes up a lot of this. So with the long shots, I just want to say this, the Bucks are in disarray. It's a good buy low spot maybe, but I don't know that the Bucks can gain enough ground for Giannis to be able to get to where he needs to get to, to have a resume like Shea and Jokic. Kawhi Leonard, if you put the numbers side by side, any voter that's going to put the numbers side by side is going to be like, yeah, I can't get there. It's like, it's really good. It's like 25, seven and six. It's really good. It's not enough. Like it's not enough when you're the engines, like these two guys are for their teams. Jalen Brunson, same kind of thing. He's awesome. He's so phenomenal. His numbers stack up really well with Kawhi Leonard's. That's how good Jalen's been this year is that Jalen Brunson's offensive numbers stack up really well with Kawhi freaking Leonard's, but they don't match up with Shea and, and Jokic. Luca, Luca's maybe the interesting one. If you're like Sean and you think that they've got a real run in them, Luca could, could, very much shoehorn his way into this conversation. I don't think there's enough games left for the Mavs to gain enough ground, but Luca's the only guy that could put together a within range win percentage and the craziest statistical performance to get him in the conversation, Sean. Absolutely. At plus 900 at bet MGM, that is the most interesting one on the board. This was as high as plus 1100 about a week ago. So yeah, Luca's only seven. They're the seven, the Mavs right now. We just talked about how I think they'll close out the year very strong. I don't think they have to worry about the plan. I believe Dallas is going to get an automatic bid, but they're only seven games behind the one seed. If they somehow start getting piping hot and they end up in that top four, top three yeah. even in the West, and then Luca finishes 35, nine and nine <laughs> on 35, nine and nine on 50 plus from the floor, then it could get really, really interesting depending on how the Thunder finish and of course, how Jokic and the guys finish. But I could see the Mavs after adding PJ Gafford 
and getting a little healthier, I could see them going on a really good run here down the stretch and Luca just continue to put up monster numbers and, and put you. him in the conversation. They're six back of the Clippers in the loss column. So to get top three is going to take, it's not impossible, but it's going to take one of those runs that were like, do you remember that run that the Mavs went on to close that season when they went, you know, 22 and two to go down the last 24 games of the, like it's going to take something crazy like that for them to be able to catch just because the other teams are winning so much. You got to be able to catch so far and we're, there's a lot, lot less time than you realize. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, head on over to Buckets. We got a full conversation on regular season win totals, plus all the other awards with our guys, the future Jays, Joe Delera and Jim Turvey. And we've got best bets for you starting up with Thursday's games, continuing every Monday through Friday over on Buckets. My thanks to Matt Mitchell and the audio crew getting this up on our podcast. We are available on every platform, including Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate those five-star reviews and you can catch a video version of this over on youtube.com slash the action network for sean little i've been matt moore thanks for listening to the action network podcast we'll see you again next time let's get buckets action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER